Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters, the podcast that answers all your home education questions. You're here with Diane today. And today I'm talking to Keely. Keely, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here talking to someone else who's passionate about home education and children. So I'm Keely, mummy to three. I've got a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old and a three and a half-year-old whirlwind. Um, and I run a company called The Farming Mother. Um, so that's animal therapy, education and support for children. Um, we do welcome any child into our setting and their parents that we focus mainly on neurodiverse children and children with additional needs. Um, so, yeah, I have a crazy farm full of animals, um, <laughs> which ranges from ducks, chickens, rabbits and guinea pigs up to sheep, goats and horses um, and anything in between that finds its way here. We tend to be a can you take this animal? And we say yes. <laughs> um, so we did used to breed pigs as well. We used to have like 40 piglets at a time and the sows and the boars and things like that, which was always interesting because pigs never stay in their pen, um, no oh, matter okay. what you do. So there'd always be a piglet roaming somewhere. Um, usually when you're doing the story of the three little pigs a piglet would pop into the stable which is always good fun because the kids thought it was hilarious um which it just makes it real and that's that's what the farm's all about it's all about the kids being able to interact with the animals because the benefits for them are incredible so the farming mother came about I used to blog about the naughty antics of the farm um especially over covid it was my outlet I was a I was suffering really bad with anxiety and depression. Mm. Um, I've got severe endometriosis and fibromyalgia. I've just had a newborn baby, which I was suffering from postnatal depression and PTSD from a terrible birth. Um, And then we were thrown into lockdown. So I had all these emotions, a farm full of animals and a newborn baby and two older boys to entertain. Um, And we just started doing projects on the farm. And my animals are quite comical. Um, There's nothing that they don't do. And I started blogging about it as a bit of an outlet to help me with my mindset. And the following just took off. Um, So by the time we came out of COVID, I had a queue of people wanting to come and join us to come and see, meet these animals in person. And it was just never ending. So I set up the farm sessions because of the benefit that it had for me with my mental health and also the children going through lockdown. My middle one has got undiagnosed ADHD. He's mm. very wild. He's a child that you find up a tree or on the stable <laughs> roof um, with such an imagination. Yeah, I've got um, one of those. <laughs> and then Madison Jenny, honestly, um, Lewis is forever just laid down cuddling animals. He's quite zen compared to the other two. Um, and then Madison Genevieve has got severe autism and sensory processing. She's non-verbal. Um, along with a load of different other things that she's going through assessment for. Um, And the difference between her being with the animals compared to not was just, it was remarkable the difference in her and having her outside and interacting with the animals. So 
we opened up the farm school to help and offer other people this opportunity to be around animals. And my biggest thing was, if you go to go see animals anywhere, you can't touch them. You're feeding them through a fence. Mm. You're looking at them from, we went so, we went somewhere and he was up on a mezzanine in um, a barn looking down on the animals, putting feed through a chute to feed them. And I was mm. like, that's not hands-on therapy with an animal. Kids need to be in there touching them, feeling them. So you can talk about it. And they get this sensory thing from it, from touching the world, describing how it feels, seeing how the chickens feel or how the feathers feel and holding them and getting up and personal. And to be fair, our animals just love the attention. So, yeah, we opened it up and the kids get hand on, they feed the chickens out of the hands, they collect the eggs, they muck them out, they fill the straw up. So there's all those different ways of talking and experience and educating, not just the kids, the parents. The amount of parents that don't know the difference between straw and hay is unbelievable. <laughs> um, and then just the different types of animals so like some of the little kids will prefer to be in with the rabbits or they'll call the sheep and the confidence that grows from the kids from coming and interacting with the animals we have some that start that they're only like 12 months old and they're just pottering about so that they're now three year old and they're shouting the animals to come up from the bottom of the field and you have this herd of goats and sheep that come running and surround them and the kids are stroking them and playing with them and just mingling in with them. And it just makes such a difference because I've got a quote here that says, the gentle presence of farm animals can help us find peace and balance in a world that's often chaotic and overwhelming. Mm. And I think that just describes the feeling of the kids on the farm, that it is their place of peace and they can get their feet on the ground they can be grounded, they can interact and just find that peace, especially with children that are neurodiverse. That, especially down here in Cornwall, it gets the holiday season and these places that they might have had that was safe, secure and wasn't overwhelming just become massive, overwhelming places that mm. then trigger everything that we've worked on with them, that the, then that place doesn't become safe anymore. Mm. And they've got so many different people, so many different sensory things going on that they're just, they start to close in on themselves again. And that's everything that we've worked through. And a lot of children who are med for the reason that they have additional needs or the neurodiverse because they can't, they can't regulate themselves in mainstream schools because there's too much going on and there's not that small group of, in, of interaction. So we limit the numbers at the farm so that the children are never overwhelmed it's very much a place where the parents don't feel judged. They don't have to feel like they have to explain themselves and explain the children's behaviour. Because for me, that's the biggest one. Especially Mad being at the age where she just looks like a tantamine toddler. And you go in somewhere and she's having a meltdown and you've got people tutting going on. She should just control your child or they should behave. And you just, you then feel judge you then feel isolated because you're on your own trying to deal with a situation with all these eyes on you and the farm is just a space where parents can come they can find other people to create a support network with and we also involve them in the stuff um I remember going to play groups when my eldest one was little and you didn't know anybody as a first time mum you're going to these things and no support network and you sat in the corner on your own not feeling like you're fitting because mm. people have already been there with other children or they know each other and at the farm we have free teas and coffees for the adults there's benches for them to sit on they can get interactive with the children and do the activities 
we get the parents involved because it creates that bond between them because a lot of parents can just feel overwhelmed especially if you're not used to having a child that's got additional needs if you've never been around that and it's your Mm. first time it's overwhelming and a lot of things that we teach the kids the adults learn too so like the mindfulness the meditation breathing the the just taking a few deep breaths and getting your feet on the ground and connecting is all things that they can learn that they can incorporate when they need space as well and creating craft activities that they can do together a lot of parents don't know where to start when it comes to doing crafts with the children so they just avoid doing it because they don't know how to do it mm-hmm. and a lot of the time the kids will they'll wander off and start doing something else and the parents are still start doing the craft <laughs> but they're being present in the moment and they're taking that time for them and the learning to be present and forget everything else that's going on and just be in the moment. And it, it makes a huge difference when the parents got those tools that they can dip into that both the child and the adult know. So the breathing, the hand on your heart, connecting your mind and your heart. And there's, we do some breathing exercises with the children, which come from Minimind Minds UK. Um, and we're connecting with like a colour and breathe it through us and feel it swirling around in your belly and coming out. And the amount of people said, my child wouldn't sit and do that. And they're like, oh, they've done that. I'm like, now you do it. When when the kids are so overwhelmed and, it te- and it's taking all your energy, you taking five minutes to go breathe doesn't have any impact on them, but it makes a world of difference to you. So we teach the parents the skills as well as the children, although the parents will admit that they need the skills when they come sometimes. Yeah. They, they pick up things and like, oh, yeah, I did that. And that, that works that time. And it just makes that big difference to the whole family then. I love your story. I absolutely love um, hearing about it. And you're clearly really passionate about it. I love the way that, you know, you turned what sounds like a really difficult situation that you were in and a very overwhelming and anxiety provoking situation and you kind of just you wrote your way out of it you blogged your way out of it and that's that's a really inspiring thing to hear it wasn't always the case I I was we lived in North Yorkshire I was a proper Yorkshire lass and I was always taught stick up a lift and you get on with it um and I'd gone from having a mainstream salon as well as owning a car garage and the farm to I was working six days a week plus the farm every day so I couldn't even stand. I was bedridden. Um, Madison Genevieve shouldn't have been here. I, With my severe endometriosis, I was due for a hysterectomy um, and I was three weeks off my hysterectomy and I had a massive bleed and I had to go for a scan and I was three weeks pregnant with her. Gosh. At that point, they told me that she wouldn't make it. And then, obviously, I had to stop all my pain relief that I was on, which was huge amounts just to make each day manageable. Um, And they told me that she'd make my endometriosis worse. The best thing I could do was get rid of her. Um, But to me, personally, I should never have been able to have her. So she was a miracle, and I'd give her a fighting chance. And that meant that I... I had to close my business. I couldn't work. I tried working a few hours a week. I'd then start bleeding again, then I'd have to have scans. And it got to the point where I was being scanned five times a week and I was in and out of hospital. And I'd gone from this mum that was always at the school gate, seeing every activity with the kids, working full time, doing the animals, riding, schooling them, doing everything, to I couldn't even lift the cup. 
So by the time I finished my pregnancy with Matt, depression and well and fever took hold. And I, I was in a dark place. And the only thing that kept me going was the fact that I had to keep going because this baby inside me needed me to keep breathing for her to be born. Um, and then when I had her, they brought her early and I had a major hemorrhage. I lost 3,000 litres of blood. Oh my God. I had to have transfusions. Um, they couldn't take me to theater. I'd had no pain relief. And it was just such a traumatic experience that Mad wasn't feeding. She kept on holding her breath and had to keep things like tucked to the side and check her breathing and everything. And this was just as COVID was coming about, but wasn't apparently into closing the ward because of severe flu, which turned out to be COVID. Yeah. So I discharged this and brought her home. Um, but I had to keep having daily tests at the hospital. Little to be known that my boy came down with COVID, which we didn't know was COVID at the time. With a five-week-old baby, we became really poorly as well. I was in the midst of depression. Obviously, the baby blues kicked in. I couldn't understand why. I had this bundle of joy. I had my boys. I'd survived this really traumatic birth that they told my husband to say goodbye to me. They said I wasn't making it out. I should have been like, I'm here, I, we've done it, I, and we can cope with everything else after. But it just got darker and darker. And I, I hit the depths of the darkest hole we can get to, and I didn't want to be here anymore. Um, I finally reached out to the doctors, and I was given antidepressants, which there is a time and a place for everything. Mm. All they did for me personally was just take away that little bit of light that I had, this love that I could feel, but just numbness to it. And I just couldn't feel anything. Um, and it was at that point that someone I, I I'd lost touch with for about 10 years was teaching mindfulness and, and meditations and gratitude and crystals. And I was a bit like, it's all a load of woo. I'm not interested. If these tablets aren't helping me, this, this isn't going to help me. And she just said to me, what have you got to lose? And I, I'd literally, I, I, I struggled to even get dressed. I couldn't get out of bed. The pain was so bad. And I'd literally just sit crying with the horses because I ran the farm, my only the only person who was going to feed those animals and get do them animals was me. So even if it meant I went out in my pajamas and I hadn't even had a shower for two days, I had to go out and feed them animals. And it was that was the difference. They was what helped me through, and I forever owe them. Someone will always take care of my kids. None of my family's farming. I had to take care of the animals. And it was them that got me up in the morning. It was them that got me outside and got my feet on the ground and I had to breathe and I had to be there. And I I started doing crystals. I started doing gratitude, affirmations, anything that I could do that would just bring me this little bit of light. Like even on the darkest days, I am grateful that the sun rose. It's going to rise every day. That's something I can be grateful for. I was grateful that I could make a drink. Um, so I just slowly started to put, implement these things and that's when the blogging came about with the animals because it was just like that was my outlet blogging about what we were doing the funny thing that Lana had badged the day or she'd weaved on my shoes which is a sheep she's incredibly naughty if you go back <laughs> to some of the blogs from like a year or so ago she is the naughtiest sheep you've ever met um and it just slowly started to lift me up. I looked into Reiki, I started having Reiki, mm. and it was at that point as these things started to work that I thought, I need to do this to help other people. Um, I closed, as the pandemic came back out, I closed my mainstream salon and went into holistic wellness right. um, because I'd seen the difference of what these had done to me. I knew I had to help other people that didn't know where to turn, didn't know where to ask for help. 
or felt embarrassed to say, look, I'm struggling. So I blogged about it. I spoke about how dark the days had been, how I used the animals to help me through, how they'd helped my children through the pandemic, how they'd helped mad. And like I said, that's when the blog grew and people wanted to come and see what was going on, yeah. wanted to see how you could do mindfulness and yoga with a goat in the field. And <laughs> it just, yeah, which is always challenging. Even if you do anything, I'll always have an animal thrown on top of me. Um, but it just makes a difference. Nature is such a powerful place to be mm. because you get to connect with the elements, whether it's raining or it's sunny, getting outside is the best thing to do for your mindset and your mental health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely kind of, I'm with you absolutely all the way on that one. I'm not a big um, animal person, but I'm definitely an outdoor person. Yeah, so I, it's just, I think, you know, you're, it's, it's like a gift, isn't it? So you've kind of... Um, you know, you've had this gift from nature and you're kind of passing that on to other people. And it feels very, there's something very kind of um, holistic about that and something very um, integrated about that. And it sounds really lovely. So when did it kind of turn into a business? Is it a business? Is it a private business or is it a, what kind of? No, it is a business. So we, so I was originally, we had a farm shop selling our produce from the farm. Oh. Um, obviously I bred rare breed pigs as well. So obviously they had to pay their way. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where I was running between doing things that I had people booking in for goat walks or having an afternoon tea. Then we were running toddler sessions. Like I say, we were reading the three little pigs with piglets in the stable <laughs> running around. Um, and then it kind of, when I was in North Yorkshire, it is very much regimental. We found that no one was open to alternative therapies as much in North Yorkshire or a lot of people didn't have understanding of children that have additional needs wow. on your and and there was brushed under the carpet. Okay. Um, and when we came, we came down to Cornwall on holiday for the very first time last June. I'd never been to Cornwall. Oh. I got here, I literally got my feet on the ground and the business had just been ticking away. We'd just been doing these toddler sessions mm. and things. And I had this passion of where I wanted to take it, but I just felt this block. And we came down to Cornwall. We'd literally been here a couple of hours. And I was like, this feels like home. And Hubby's like, what do we know? I was like, just let's have a look to see if there's any houses about. And we was mortgage-free up in North York. So I was like, right, we, 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 we've done, like, we, we've created everything we want to create. And I was like, there's just something. And the difference in the kids just being in Cornwall, one, it's better weather, two, <laughs> where we was in North Yorkshire, six months of the year, you used to be knee deep in snow or mud and six foot snowdrift. So we came to Cornwall and it's like winter in Cornwall was like our summer. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it just felt like home. So we managed to find a house and it was like, right, we'll have to rent while we sell our farm. And it just found within two days, we found a house, which was perfect, fitted everything. We couldn't find one with land, but there was one with land 10 minutes away. So I thought, well, this will do until we sell our farm. Mm. And literally within two weeks, I'd signed the contract from the house and I was back down here. I packed everything up and drove all the animals, 400 odd miles, three times a week, bringing everybody down. It was it was a move and a half, 
but we got here and I just felt like I could breathe. It just felt, it felt like everything had come together. And I started advertising the fan sessions and it just took off. It was the acceptance of people understanding children with additional needs, the acceptance of talking about mindset and mental health. And it just, it just all fell into place. And we were very fortunate that we found a house um, a couple of months ago that meant that I could move all the animals home because there was only 10 minutes away. Ever since I started the farm, I had never not lived away from them. Mm. And I was struggling with that. The animals are very much a part of my family, as are the kids. It's like, I owe them so much. They got me through such a dark time that I just felt like I was missing a part of me. I felt trapped. Mm. Although we had a nice garden and things, I just felt trapped that I didn't have that open space. I make a joke that I'm a gypsy girl at heart, that I need to be out in the field and feel my feet on the ground. But it is very much that. It has got to be that I am outside and I am connected with them. And we found this amazing farm in Flint that had the house, it had the land. And this, I can see it all from my window now. That's why I'm nosing out the window. I can sit in my office. I can sit in my um, cabin that I've got. I can get anywhere in the farm and see the animals. We've got a beautiful woodland with a stream level. So everything that I ever wanted to create is all here. And I believe in divine timing. I needed to get to a point where everything was ready to come together. And we have some amazing clients. We've just connected with quite a lot of the um, like disability action, um, autism, Cornwall, CAF UK, all those kind of things that have reached out to me. Support networks that I didn't even know that was there. If you've got a child that's got additional needs, they don't give you a handbook of no. places where you can find support. No. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to create. I've just launched the website this weekend and I'm putting a page on there that will have obviously your blog on there. Um, your podcast, sorry, all the resources that I've found from all these different places because families need to know about this. There is so much out there that people don't know. And if they don't know, they can't access it and they can't find the support. And it is very, very isolated. When you've got a child that's got additional needs, you tend to shy away from going to public spaces. Not that you should do because that's on them, not on you. But you just feel like because you've got to justify yourself, because you feel judged, because you feel like this overwhelming pressure, you've got to conform to society, that you feel isolated and you tend to take yourself away from things. So with the farm, I try and create that community. And the friendships that the ladies and the gents and the families make is unbreakable because we all have this thing in common that they are there for the greater good of their children to learn and use these resources. So I'm trying to put everything together on the website so that people have these points of access. And there's so much funding out there. There's a lot of children that co-educate that yeah. don't realise that you can claim funding towards that. So you've got all these usually mums that have given up their career to home-educate their child full-time mm -hmm. that then lost this big amount of income that they had that they're then paying out for activities and resources and things like that that they're then struggling, but there is things out there that can help and support them. Especially if your child's got like an education health plan and things, you'll you'll know better than me what they can tap into mm. um, of like paying towards going to activities and stuff. And it's just, this isn't made aware for people. And it's just, I only found out about a certain things through certain people contacting me. And there's loads of home education groups on Facebook and on the internet that I didn't even know it was there. People will go to me, oh, have you tried here? And I'm like, no, I didn't know that existed. 
And it's just because as much as we do with the love of God trying to share everything, the algorithms in Facebook don't share enough. We're not populated to the top of Google. So these things are just pushed down the line and people don't find them. So my big thing is just spreading the word of what's out there to help and support people because that is the biggest thing. People just need the help and the support and feel heard and feel like they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree as a, as a parent who um, has a child with additional support needs and uh, I'm, you know, in a home educating family, I think you have to be super, super resourceful, don't you? And, uh, you know, really hunt down what's what's out there. And sometimes, you know, we're just not in a in a place in our in ourselves, in our internal states where where we, we've got the energy to do that. So I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, what you're doing sounds pretty pretty amazing and really helpful and I love that you talked about um the alignment you know you sound like you're really intuitive and you sound like you're really in tune with yourself and that's kind of you know and when that happens that's when that alignment takes place isn't it because when it all falls into yeah. place because we tune into ourselves. The biggest, the biggest thing I, yeah the biggest thing I teach is connecting with yourself and you can't serve from an empty cup and as a mum we constantly give, 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 give. Mm. So all the it's like having a like, having like ten spoons. Everything takes a spoon, yeah. and then you get to the end of the day and you haven't looked after yourself. And there's a there's an exercise that I do with my ladies on the retreats. Um, you can't pour for a moment to cup. So if you're tipping out your cup, serving your children, trying to juggle everything, and you're not topping up your cup, the cup gets empty. And I've been at the point where it takes so long to fill it back up when I was in the depths of being at the bottom. But if you're constantly looking after yourself, even if it's just five minutes here and there, mindful breathing, taking care of you, making sure that you've got your fundamentals with enough hydration, enough food. Because we've all been there that when when it is overwhelming, you're serving to them and you're like, oh, when did I last eat? And you're wondering why you're cooking it. And keep topping up your cup and you only serve from the overflow. You're never going to be drained and depleted. Everyone else gets everything that they need but you're also not going to be at the bottom of the pile and feeling like you can't go on anymore. So it is all about taking care of you, which is why I've set up the um, the women's and carers um, afternoons and evenings that I'm doing so that they can come and they, they can they can connect with other women and find this support network because it is, um, you're talking in the ancestral lines where they had, they had the tribe of women and it was yes. a tribe. It takes take a village to raise a child. Yes. The yes. If you haven't got that support network around you, you've got no one to talk to, no one to help, it is very lonely and it is very isolated and you do think further and further down. So this is about giving the women the space to connect and find the resources, but also teach them things like the mindful breathing, meditation, yeah. Um, exercises that they can do to recenter themselves because when you're off juggling all these cups you become out of alignment and you don't feel connected to yourself you feel displaced and you're either hyper focused or you're hyper where you just feel like you're not with it and you're just sort of like off trying to like you're there doing the, the things that you need to do but you're not with it and I think that comes from a lot of things of trying to juggle so many plates and so many different things so it's just teaching people these things that they can do in everyday life that will get them through and also stop them from being drained. Yeah, yeah. And what, you know, what a helpful thing to do, both for the parents and for the children. 
So what kinds of things um, happen on the farm, like for the for, for children and young children, older children, adults? Tell us all about what happens. So we, we tend to have a bit of a, it's an easy way of going because children don't, they always say don't work with children and don't work with animals. And I do both. <laughs> you do both. Um, <laughs> so it does get to the point sometimes where you do feel like that you are talking to yourself. Um, because either the children aren't listening or the animals aren't listening or no one's listening and you're a bit like, what are we doing? Um, and there's some days where it gets to the end of the two hour session and I feel like I've run a marathon and there's other days where it's completely fine and everyone's happy, usually when the sun's shining and everyone's relaxed, yeah. um, blowing the wind or the rain and then that's it, all have it breaks loose. Um, but what we do is the, the children tend to come um, we've got a huge climbing frame, we've got um, a big trampoline, we've got dens, we've got walking planks, mm. we've got um, a big outdoor kitchen area, um, we've got all the um, fire pit and everything else as well as all the activities. So they'll come and I usually give them like 15, 20 minutes, they'll all have a bit of a run round. Um, and then we'll go and do some of the farm jobs, so we'll go through the chickens and the ducks, we tend to end up quite a lot in there just cuddling them and playing with them collecting the eggs, checking the bedding, making sure the water's done. Because the children get hands-on then and they're touching it, feeling, they're feeling the corn and feeding them out of the hands. Um, but I teach them things in between it. So a lot of things with children is, I, I don't teach them through pen and paper. We teach them like the colour of a hen's cheeks is the colour that the egg is. Oh, say that again. The colour so, of a hen's cheek, did you say? is the oh colour of the egg. So oh, my my brown chickens have brown brown cheeks. Um, they're Warren hens. They lay brown eggs. The white ones they lay white eggs. Then like my queen leg bars, they lay green eggs. So you have a look at their cheeks, they're green. And then the marins have got like a burgundy colour, and they lay the dark brown marine coloured egg. Oh. So it's all these little things that you teach them that they didn't know about. Yeah. Um, and then. We'll tend to do things like we've got a pet lamb that was from this year's lamb called Taco. So the kids have been around him since he was pretty much born. He's been out on the farm and now they'll come and measure how much big his horns have got to his left hand this year. Um, so then they're learning about the different sizes and how things are growing. Um, Charcoal's one of our herbic lambs, so at the moment he's black. And once he gets, once he's had his first summer coat, he'll go blue. Right. So then obviously they learn that they come from the Lake District. It's Potter who wrote um, yeah. Peter Rabbit. She, yeah. she bred them up on the hills in the Lake District oh. as well. So they'll learn all that and then they connect with it. Um, the rabbits and guinea pigs will check them over. They'll feed them the fruit and vegetables. So then we'll go through what fruit and veg they like. Um, make sure that they've got enough bedding. Make sure that they've got enough grass. Make sure they've got enough hay. We'll play with Percy the Pony, which is our little Shetland, which... <laughs> He, he is going to be a full-on therapy animal, but at the moment he's a little bit cheeky, don't we? Um, so he is a little bit mischievous. Um, then we'll maybe have a little bit more of a play. Um, we'll do some activities, some arts and crafts, which we used to have a different theme. Um, last week was all to do with sea, so we had we've got a huge sand pit. I'm talking like two and a half meters by two and a half meters. Um, so we brought some of the sand in and we had animals from underneath the ocean um, and we created things to do with that and we read the story of the rainbow fish so we created our own fish with the colours 
and the week before that we I think was Teddy Bear's picnic so we all had the kids bring their favorite Teddy and we used pouring the cup so they had to measure it out the rain was really started here and they had to measure all the different things out um, and learn about different cakes and the textures in the field of the cake and we're connected with I don't know if you've heard of Mood Bear so it was on Dragon's Day oh so really? I think I saw that yes so um, I'm connected with a lady who runs Mums in, in Business International. I run her sessions for her down in Cornwall. And wow. it's a very good friend and client of hers, Joanne, who set up Mood Bears, which has had full-on funding, full investment from Dragon's Den, and they're now global. So each bear has an emotion. Absolutely. So there's happy, there's sad, there's hope. So we have them bears as part of our sessions. Wow. So if the children are ever feeling an emotion, they can go have the bear, they can go talk to the bear. So it's another way of getting the children to understand their emotions, regulate with their emotions and be able to connect with them. Because the biggest thing is we don't want them to brush that emotion away or yeah. dismiss it. We want them to feel it and understand it. So we use the move bears to do that. Um, and then we'll do, we'll go out and feed the goats and the sheep, which usually is at the other end. Um, not that the parents will thank you for this. I've taught the kids the North Yorkshire call of come on. But it's a very high pitch come on and it doesn't matter where the animals are they will all come running up to the top of the oh. and we've got six years out come on at the top of their voice and all the animals will come running so then they'll play with the sheep and the goats they'll play with the texture they'll feed them we'll play about in the field with them we'll go for a walk down to the bottom paddock and go see the bigger horses um we did we're going on a bear hunt so we went looking through the forest to see if we could see any bears so then the kids are seeing different textures seeing what they can see, seeing if they can see any different animal prints and see if there's any bear prints, which obviously there isn't. Well, I hope there's no bears in the woods anyway. <laughs> oh dear. We saw deer, so that's fine. Um, I don't think bears are native to Cornwall, so we should be fine. <laughs> Not yet. Um, yeah, until one of the sheep comes running out of the woods or something like that. But um, it's just, we use their imagination and we connect in with it. And once they get, once you start to bring out the imagination of the children and they've got the freedom to explore, mm. that's when all these senses come into play that they can create, they can grow, they can learn and they can expand. But they're learning without thinking they're learning. Yeah. Like we'll count how many eggs they are, we'll count how many different things are, like if they're looking at different trees and things, we'll count out the veg. And we've got children that can't count that are going to school. And like we went on the teddy bears picnic hunt and I printed off all the bears and laminated them, but they all had different numbers on, or we'll match the different bears' sizes and learn the sizes. So yeah. it's just, it's getting them to learn without thinking that they're learning. And that, I found with all three of mine, that's it's better than putting a book in front of them. Yes. Um, and forcing them to do something. If it has a purpose to do it, they'll do it. So my, I remember my middle one going to school and the teacher pulled me over at the end of the day in the section and said, he can't count. He can't. I said, he can fluently count for 30. She went, he can't. She said, I cannot get him to count. I went, ask him to give him a job. She went, watch me. I said, well, you have fruit at break, don't you? And I went, get him to count it out for the children in the class. She went, he can't count. I'm like, yes, but if he doesn't have a purpose, he won't do it. <laughs> he just thinks it's in the interesting. So he was telling you he can count. I was like, he can tell you the makes and models of cars. I said in their colour, he can definitely count. Um, so it's just finding ways that gets 
STEM inspired and that's what we do here because we have small groups we we learn what the children like and what they're into and there'll be children that don't want to do the arts and crafts so they'll go off and explore with the animals and stuff everything is in a fully shifted paddock so I've got different paddocks with different things and they've got free play so if they don't want to do an activity that could be because that doesn't interest them. It could be that it's over simulating them. We have different areas that they can go off, they can explore, they can go into a quiet corner, they can go play and run off if they want. There's always something for them to do, but the activity is always engaging. So if they want to take part, they can, and I'll encourage them to do it. But if it's not for them, then we won't. Another thing I've found with children that have got sensory needs or additional needs, they don't tend to take part in sports then. Ah, uh, yes. Because usually there's not enough one-to-one -one support. Or if they've got anxiety and things, they don't want to do it because they're not sure how they're going to be good. So we do sports day at the farm, and we do yeah. it quite a lot. Um, and the kids, we do it through the different things. Like, we might race the sheep and the goats to see how far we can get <laughs> and who we can be. Or we'll do egg and spoon race and go, don't drop my eggs, all those hard-boiled <laughs> eggs. Um because so, they know not to drop them on the floor because we'll smash when we're collecting them so we integrate stuff that we've got at the farm to get like right, we'll do proper wheelbarrow race but then you get the parents joining in which i tell them it's off their own back they'll put the kids in the wheelbarrow and push the kids <laughs> and it's like that's that, that's up to you that's your that's your disclosure if you want to do that um but it is all about connecting with what they enjoy and just bringing in the elements and the things that they enjoy to make it a positive experience for them that they want to keep on doing it because I wrote, where did I write it? Not all classrooms have to have walls. Ours has fields and fun, and that's our superpower. Oh, brilliant. Um, and that's what it is. But not everyone will conform to the traditional education. And that's something that I think COVID opened many of the parents to realise that it is possible to home educate your child and give them a different way of learning. Um, and that the classrooms don't always work for children. And if if you have got the space and the ability to do it, even if your child's at school, tapping into sessions and resources during the school holidays and on a weekend yeah. that can help stimulate your child will just make a huge difference to them. Yeah, and actually some of the things that you're teaching, they don't get taught at school. So that whole stuff about um, learning how we can tolerate our emotion, our emotional responses, rather than, you know, as a society, we're very conditioned into avoidance and we're very conditioned into distraction and consumerism to manage kind of emotional needs. And actually, you know, as you know, I, this is the stuff that I teach, you know, I teach grown men this stuff, you know, and you're, you're teaching kids which is just brilliant because they, you know, that stuff that they don't get taught in schools about actually, you know, we need to learn to tolerate our emotions and the whole range of emotions is part of the human experience. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, we should accept them all, you know, as, as equal. Well, there's, there's a poem that I use with my grown-ups about, it's called The Guest House. It's about uh, welcoming emotions. Yeah, I know the one, yeah. And it, it is very much that, that we don't want the children to... to put it down or just say that we're sad, angry, happy or excited. There's a whole range of emotions deep than them for that we want them to tune into and listen yeah. to their body because there's so much programming in the naught to seven years that that sets them up for the rest. Of, I, I obviously teach hypnotherapy, so I know, and you start learning about this thing and you think, oh my God, 
the, the things that's programmed into them at yeah. not to seven is the fundamentals that will keep coming up through yeah. the rest of their life. Absolutely. And it can be such simple things. If a, if a teacher telling a child who's got ADHD, no, you have to sit down, you have to be quiet, that that child then constantly normal, they can't, they're not supposed to do this. They, they have to sit down. What's wrong with me because I can't do this? And there's nothing wrong with this child. They're unique. They're special. They're amazing. That mm-hmm. they've just got a gift that they're excited. So they'll be. They could be the next Usain Bolt. He's not going to sit down in the classroom for however many hours Absolutely. a day. And it's it's tuning into these unique abilities that they have and breaking away from society's conformed way and beliefs. Yes. And it's not sometimes. Sometimes it's lack of awareness. Sometimes it's generational programming that we have to step back. And if we teach these children now, that then in 30, 40 years time, the next generation of children that are coming up are going to have such a better understanding Mm. that these children that have got autism, that have got ADHD, that have got other issues that don't fit to society conformity, that isn't, it isn't a problem. They are high energy frequency that that they just they don't need this normal stuff. They need to be everything that we're teaching needs to become normal so that they can thrive. Yeah. Because they have these unique abilities that will change the world of how we see things and how we do things. They see things in such different energy and frequency that we can't even understand it's like mads she she's non-verbal she's three and a half and i've done a lot of research into how to communicate with her now she won't do macaton sign she won't do sign language we do product placement i call it but it's like <laughs> knife and fork is teeth um food breakfast drinking she'll get a bottle of juice if she wants to drink she knows what it is that's associated mm. with that she's very switched up and clued on but to some and some settings, they just don't accept that and that's not the way she does it. If she, if she can't see, she should be doing sign language or macaphone and she just she doesn't want to do it. And we connect some energy through music quite a lot. She's very, very musical. I'm tone deaf. I can't sing or play a musical instrument for my life, but we've got something like the tongue drum and things like that. Mm. And the frequency from the music helps regulate her. And we do things like just sitting and connecting literally we are all I, i'll go off a bit room now but we all we are all connected as one as a universe the whole energy is connected if you're sending out stress challenged negative energy then they're going to feel that and that's what's going to come back to them and that's how then we can say the child's unregulated they're doing this they're doing that but it's just we've just got to tune into their energy and find ways of tuning in and connecting with them to be able to realize so it's yeah I, I go off a bit woo because I'm very much like no, that absolutely I'm um I'm as woo as you on that front <laughs> I'm all good I'm all good with that absolutely I'm very into this sense of us all being connected and part of the universe so um apologies to listeners who might not appreciate the woo <laughs> You want to get yourself on my retreat in September? I've got a space left. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll definitely look into that. I'll definitely look into that. So one of the things I was going to ask on a really practical note, are you? do you have to be kind of like, 
don't know, like registered with Ofsted or anything along those lines? No, so we're, we're set up with the government. I went as a CIC last October just to try and apply for some funding, which I haven't received any funding yet because it is so hard to get to where you need to to get the to get the support because you've got to have three unrelated directors who don't want any profit, any acknowledgement, anything else, which then obviously is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then you've got to write your grant appeal and everything else. So I haven't managed to get any funding yet. So everything that I do is off my own back and what I raised from doing the session. So everything that I put in. Um, we did run a massive Christmas event which we managed to get some sponsors for and I did a raffle to raise funds so we could make sure all the children got stuff and we could also give sessions away to families that couldn't afford to do it. Mm. Um, so no, because the parents attend with their children, we don't, and we're not an education setting. Right. Okay. Um, I, do, I don't run it like a nursery, I run the sessions so it's a family thing. Yes. Um, yeah. If I wanted to go down the line of opening it up as a full-on school, as in like mm. a forest school kind of type mm. thing, then yes, you could go down the lines of registering with Offset and then have mm. um, play workers and all those kind of things. But I think for me, it's important that I want the families to be involved. I don't want it just to be another place where people can go drop the children off. Yeah. Um, because I see the difference in what it makes with the children and the families connecting because it creates those bonds, which a lot of them have been disconnected because the families feel burnt out, they feel lost, they feel unsupported, that they just feel like they're just getting through life. And I don't want any family to feel like that. I want them to be able to embrace this uniqueness that their child's got and that the dynamic they've got as a family, that they can bring it together and they can enjoy being together. And it's something that I've had to take on board myself with two older boys. They've gone from that we could go and do activities here, there and everywhere without a care in the world. We could sit through a film at the cinema and things like that to that they've now got a little sister that's very much won't sit through anything, doesn't sit still, very vocal within her sounds. She obviously has a lot of meltdowns and things that I've had to take a look at how I still give them everything that they need and also that one-to-one time and notice that they still need everything that they was getting plus a little bit more because they have to make lots of allowances although they love her dearly um, and they do a lot for her and with her they have to make allowances for her which Mm -hmm. is not their fault and that was my biggest thing that I never want them to feel like they're second best they was here first I I love them all equally um so I do involve them they do a lot with the farm sessions with us in the school holidays um but I do make time to do stuff with them as well so the farm thing I want it to be that families learn to come together and do things as well mm-hmm. and that's why in the school holidays we open up to siblings and things and we do things like the sports day so that they have stuff that they can do and the children have that have got additional needs on your idea versus do things that they can do but there's also things for both because things that they can do together and things that they can do separate mm-hmm. and that's where things like Cap UK come in they do similar things they have sessions which are for the children that have got additional needs in their families but they also have sibling only things as well mm-hmm. so that they've got something that's theirs that's just for them so that they get that unique attention and I think that's where working with other charities and things like that that makes a big difference and it's something that going through business over the years, 
I was never taught that you collaborate and that you you work with other people. You're very much on your own and on your own path. Whereas over the last three years, I've learned that connection is key and helping and supporting each other and feeding into each other's resources like we're doing now is the way that we're going to make a difference. Absolutely. And it's that's the most important thing. But I am... I am hoping to get some of the funding because what I want to be able to do is a lot of families struggle, especially if they're home educated and they haven't gone down the lines of getting an education health plan. They struggle to get the resources in place and there's such long waiting lists for things. Like we waited, we've waited two years nearly for speech and language. Yes. And if you haven't got the funds to pay privately, then that's a big thing that you're missing. So we've actually connected with quite a few people that are, um, sensory play specialists, speech and language and what we want to do is be able to bring those resources paid for by funding mm. into the farm so that they're on they're there for sessions so that families who need that support can have it there and then and they're not waiting two years so that's my that's my big push forward is that I want to be able to bring these resources into the farming mother so that people have access to them and another thing that I want to do is when we came down on holiday was the first time we'd taken mad on holiday. And if you've got a child that has got additional needs or is neurodiverse, doesn't understand danger and things like that, holiday sites are not set up for it. Mm-hmm. We stayed in a caravan on a site and obviously the road's directly outside the caravan. It's an unfamiliar setting for the children. Mm-hmm. They've got no safe, secure area and a lot of it's overwhelming because it's overcrowded. So I've got my glamping pods and I've set up some individual paddocks and I'm I'm trialing it at the moment just for a couple of weeks this year and then we're hoping to go for full planning to be able to do it the whole of next year. Um, that families have their own individual plot which is I'm talking like half an acre mm. that they have their own bell tent will have one family at a time or families that know each other so that the children aren't exposed to anything different it's their own community that they know and that they can access the farm's resources while they're here so like the education play mm. the support play all the resources that we've got here but they've got their own we've already we've already put it all in so they've already got their own toilet block shower block kitchen area um but they've got that space where they where the parents can relax and have a yeah. holiday because they know their child did a secure I, I do say pen it's not a pen it's a full paddock <laughs> and it's a like <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a safe area that's fencing with stock fencing with posts and rail so that they have got the space that their child can run free and play can play on all this equipment that I use for the farm sessions see the animals and take advantage of all this and then if they want to go off and explore Cornwall they can do but they've got this same space to come back to when it becomes overwhelming Mm. so they've got the if they just want to spend the whole holiday here they can do but if they want to go off and explore things and it gets too busy and the child's unregulated and they can't they can come back and this is the same space that the child knows is theirs they know where everything is they know they don't have to worry about other families they know that they don't have to worry about a million and one people that don't understand additional Mm. needs looking on judging and feeling like how can we relax because we can't let them play out we can't let them explore if you've got a child that's got ADHD that's locked up in a caravan and can't play out um, for a week they're going to be bouncing off the walls mm. and you're going to be stressed you no amount of meditation breathing exercises <laughs> or anything else is going to calm you down because you've got this child that is so tense and wound up 
just ready to explode because they haven't had that outlet. So that's what we want to create at the farm. And I'm hoping that through applying for funding, we'll be able to fund sessions to families that can't get here because of funds mm. or at least fund part of the sessions for them so that they've got it. Because obviously there's things like family fund out there and stuff, which fund is every two years they can claim towards a holiday or things that they need. Mm. So we're hoping to point families in that direction that obviously will only have limited amount of funds, but if they can claim through family fund or mm. half of the holiday that then we can put towards or that they can put towards that I don't think that anybody should miss out just because they've got a child that's got additional needs or that the funds are available because a breakaway and doing something like this, it'll be the thing that keeps them going for the rest of the year that then they can access it the year after. So that's the big plan going forward with it is to make it on a bigger scale that we can help and support families to have a break. What an amazing vision. And I've no doubt that you'll get there. You seem like a really uh, determined and inspirational woman. Thank you very much. And it is, it's just people like yourself and just, we've just got to do what we've got to do to make other families know that they're supported and they're valued and that their needs are going to be met. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you, do you also do things with slightly older children? I know you you talked a bit about the kind of naught to sevens. Do, are there any older children? That- yeah, so, yeah, so with our children, we have, so we have on a Wednesdays, uh, we say toddler sessions. So we usually take up to, usually up to 11. Um, and then on a Friday, it's an open session. So any age is welcome. It's just on a Wednesday, we tend to do story time and things, which if you're trying to get a 13, 14 year old to connect from story time, they just look at you like you're trying to ask them to do something alien. Um, But saying that, if they do have younger siblings with them, they do get on really well. And what I've found is um, when you have the different age groups, like we'll have some that come at that are 16 and then we've got some that are one. The children that are older connecting with the little ones, the little ones look up to the big ones, the big ones start helping the little ones and then they grow them skills of helping and supporting and learning all these vital school skills of how to be emotionally connected with the children, but also gives them that little bit of responsibility Mm -hmm. because a big thing that I've learned is if a child has got additional needs, they're looked on like they can't do a lot of things. And this is one of the things why I, my, one of my very first podcast interviews was with Ellie um, and Tina, she has Down syndrome and she teaches younger children sign language. And that gives her that inspiration that she's someone to look up to. Yeah. And it gives her that responsibility that she's helping and supporting, which also brings all these new skills that she's developing, which a lot of the time, Children who have got additional needs are looked on that they can't do a lot of these things. But if we give them the opportunity, they surprise you. They can do so much more when the opportunities are there for them to do it. Don't get me wrong. They'll need support. They'll need different ways of doing it. But they thrive on being able to be the one that's being looked up to and feel like they're supporting someone else rather than them having to have the support all the time, which it just makes a huge difference. And when you see these connections of them doing it and you just stand back and watch, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think it's the thing in a, in the home ed world, much more than it is from, for kids that go to school, 
you know, that actually in the home ed world, it's really normal for kids of different ages to be mixing, you know, and interacting with each other at kind of, you know, different stages. And actually it's that, it, that there's something of that lost, isn't there, in mainstream education where we separate children by age, you know, and they-, they And I think, they I think that's one thing that, go on. No, sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just saying, and I think like you say, that's something that is lost. And I think, especially in the home, edu home education community, there is so many things that is, is setting up the kids for a better life mm. than conforming to the regulations of a mainstream school. Yeah. Whether they have additional needs or not, the things that they are learning, like simple things like money management, cooking skills, outdoor pursuits, how to connect with animals, how to connect with nature, getting out to the beach for your ocean studies rather than learning it from a textbook yeah. is it's vital to them and so many different things like you say connecting with younger children and older children that children that have conformed to mainstream education will never learn and it's sad really because there's things that should be put into schools mindfulness practices oh, yeah. getting outside that will benefit all children and I think that's where Home education gets a lot of stick and then make it very hard for parents to home educate their children. But if you actually looked into it and took some of the things on board of why the parents home educate and actually brought that into the school system, they'd change, it'd change everything across the board and make it more accessible for everyone to be able to have their needs met. Yeah, I, I entirely agree with you. And thank goodness we've got people like you, Keely, because you are... <gasps> You sound absolutely amazing and I'm so impressed with what you do, what you offer, um, you know, not just for kids, but as you say, for parents as well. And it is, you know, it's it, what you're describing is a, is a community and that's really important. I think creating the community is what will make the difference because you're educating both adult and child so that they can come, in, they can come united and work together rather than it being this is what we're battling against, this is what we're doing. As we understand them better and we also understand our needs better, it brings everything together. And I think the children have much more awareness then of what the parent's going through and the parent has much more awareness of what the child's going through. And just simply like working with the emotions and stuff like that, like I say, each generation, we're programmed of how yeah. how we should act and how we should listen to our emotions and that we shouldn't feel sad and we shouldn't cry and we shouldn't shouldn't feel angry but they're just emotions and we all have them and if we connect with them better we better understand and the world would be a better place absolutely yeah what a great great thing to end on so Keely, if people are lucky enough to live in our part of the world or if they in the future fancy coming down to see you where can people find you and so we just launched the website so we are www.thefarmingmother.com so you can find us on there the sessions are on there how you can book with us whether it's the um, group sessions or private sessions or drop me a message if you want a holiday um and then we are on facebook and instagram as well i do have a tiktok account but i haven't kept up to it for a very long time <laughs> because there's too much to do with socials i think we've added another one now other than like threads or something like that and it's just <laughs> yeah socials are manic um yeah so yeah we do we do put a lot of updates on the family mother facebook and instagram and also i have a weekly blog that goes out um which is friday on the farm 
so that that covers anything that's happened any mishaps fun crazy antics of the animals and also I put in there things like what I've done with Mads how she's been um which I think is makes it more relatable I'm not just a person just telling you about the sessions that you can attend I'm telling you about that it's real life I'm a mum to three with a crazy bunch of animals um with a child that from one minute to the next minute she doesn't know what emotion she's going to have and whether we're out on the farm or we're at the beach by nine o'clock just for her to just stand and watch the waves it's it's all the tides that you've got to ride and you just mm. it's just showing that that is what it is but like I say I'm trying to put the resources together to go on the website as well um because I want everyone to be able to have access to everything that they need and support wise Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thanks for talking to us today. And I'm just Thank you gonna... for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Please come back sometime. We'd love to hear some updates <laughs> from you. Um, I'm just going to remind our listeners to also join our Facebook group, Home Education Matters, and you'll find lots of resources on there from previous guests. And thanks very much, Keely, once again. We'll look forward to listening to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.